0: Medics, welcome to the show. Today we have an amazing guest for you. We have director Greg Zakowski. He's the director of season four, Ryan's Mystery Playdate, co-producer of the Emmy-nominated Walking Dead, Red Machete. Let's welcome Greg to the show. Hi, Greg. Welcome. Hey. How are you doing? <laughs> so happy to have you on the show.
1: Happy uh, Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon
0: or whatever
1: the day is. Yes, we shot
0: <laughs> <laughs> we've been baking in LA in April at uh, like ninety-five and ninety-eight
1: degrees. I know it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, we were we were shooting yesterday, call time was eleven, it was ninety seven, we're in a parking lot. It was perfect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> were you able to make some steaks on that? What else asphalt? Do you
1: want? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's all, good. It's all yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Water umbrellas and take your time.
0: Right. And um uh, Greg, where are you recording with me uh, live today?
1: Um, I'm in Burbank, California, the exciting town uh, of Burbank, right uh, right near the Warner Brothers back lot, uh, not far from Porto's. Um, there you
0: go. Oh, Porto's is great. They have delicious um, pastries. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're little guava pastries. I've got to taste for it. i got to go. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm in Burbank. I've been, been here... Uh, since 90 in Burbank since 95. I was in Los Feliz before that. I came out here in 1989
0: from Texas. From Texas? A a Texas boy. What part of Texas did you grow up in?
1: I grew up, uh, well, I went to college in uh, in Denton, just north of Dallas, and then worked in the business in Dallas for a little bit. Um, Went to high school in Houston where my, you know, obviously my family was there. So I went to the performing arts high school there. It's the 50th anniversary of HSPBA, my high school alma mater so shout out to them
0: congratulations um, yeah
1: good for them uh, it was like going to a fame high school in houston and everybody talked with a southern accent so um uh, otherwise it was like the ltv show fame a lot of fun
0: oh wow like the fame uh, i want to ask you so you went your your high school is like fame you went to um an art school how did you uh, first start getting into um you know films like what was your favorite film growing up
1: Oh, my favorite film growing up, uh, from the earliest film, there was a movie, and I've probably now seen it more times than anybody cares to talk about it. It was a movie by Stanley Kramer called um, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And it was a comedy that had every major actor on the planet in it, at least that was associated with that studio or Friends of Stanley Kramer. And it was just hilarious. And I, I would go, I would sneak into the theaters because back then you could, you know, I remember back in the old days, but back then it was cheap. And I would kids were allowed to, be free range babies. And so I would go to the, sneak into the movie theater and or no, sneak, I would sneak off to the movie theater and it was like a quarter, 50 cents. And I would stay and see it two, three times. And even today I'll sit and watch the film because there's just so much comic brilliance in it. Um, but that was sort of that, uh, an early film in, in, in my uh, in my background that got me into the idea of, of movies. Funny. And then all the Marx Brothers films. Um, and then as I got older and I started to appreciate And read more, I started getting into more intense movies, you know, everything from Apocalypse Now to uh, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, The Godfather, Um, you know, but movies like that. I I remember going and seeing The Sting and just thinking, you know, what a perfect film, you know. And I watched it about a month ago with my youngest son. And, you know, it's fascinating because the pacing then was different, the lighting was a little brighter because the type of film it was. But the film still holds up at least in my book um you know it, it's just uh great films will stand the test of time as long as they can get out of period stylings you know some movies are are uh, limited to the time frame that they were made like you go back and rewatch the trial of billy jack it's such a goofy movie and it was not so appropriate for when it was made but now you're watching and you're going i <laughs> you know, oh my god don't do it oh they're doing it you know but it's still fun you yeah. know, as long as you're it correctly
0: yeah like some uh, of the 70s films um they were so like stylized right you know you oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> snap and then zoom across the street because now we had zoom lenses that could work and then we was shooting on portable cameras and so it was different like you know which compared to now like we're, we're shooting with some of the new cameras like the komodo or the new sony or the red and it You literally can walk in and you're like, is it lit? It looks dark, like a closet and you go to the monitors. Oh my God, it's bright. Everybody looks amazing and such subtle, minimal lighting, completely different. Um, and you know, you shoot, you can shoot six or eight K. You don't even need a zoom lens. You can zoom later in post reframe, change it. Um, whole different level of flexibility. Um, And I'm sure people look back and I'm wondering when they're going to look back and go, look what those goofy guys are doing back in 2022, how they were making films with those silly cameras,
0: you know? Um, So who knows? Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to talk about, so so I have to ask you as a little boy, you liked it's a mad, mad world. I mean, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I remember watching that with my mom, she's Italian. And um, we laughed our heads off in that movie. That's one of my favorites. It was hilarious. Like, the the good old screwball films they just don't make them like they used to do they have there been any movies like that recently
1: well it's it's really hard to make it especially with a cast that they tried to remake it it's like remaking Cannonball Run the problem that you run into was all of the talent that was in that Sid Caesar um, you know all the way across the board in that film these were people that were were masters of of, of slapstick humor put up with strong um, dramatic actors, like Spencer Tracy, who, if you think about Spencer Tracy, nobody goes, Spencer Tracy, that comic actor. Then you go back and you watch that film and you realize he nails it. You can't imagine anybody else as the detective in that, you know? Um, But the the number of people in it that just did little bits, Jerry Lewis has a small part in it, you know, um, running over his hat in a car. I mean, my God, Jerry Lewis at that time was maybe, you know, he was like one of our biggest megastars. And he had a walk-on part. So the odds of a film like that getting remade are very, very small. uh, Unfortunately. Um, Or maybe fortunately, who knows? You you think about like, uh, you know, Soderbergh who can pull off Ocean's Eleven and the remake that was made so well. Some of the subsequent ones you might argue were the other. um, But they were able to make a movie that that stood up against the original oceans 11, which is a thing, you know? Um, so I I think it's a talent thing. Back then you had actors that were, that were perfect for that film. How many actors today they end up and do that type of comedy and be believable? Um, not as many, you know, it would be a difficult film and and you need the right director and the right studio behind it. Um, or it would just become a self-indulgent piece of garbage. But, you know, I'm available. They could call me anytime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and speaking of, so you're a director. So um, you're watching, you're 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 sneaking off to go watch a film. I think everyone at that age we were allowed to go and watch films. And then um, oh, yeah. you also mentioned you're watching The Sting with your son. Um, I want to ask, is there any criterion films that you fell in love with as a director that said, hey, that's what I want to do?
1: Well, I mean. Back then, there wasn't Criterion films. There were just old movies of black and white on TV, on channel, on, the, on the UHF channels. For those of you that are watching, there used to be only three major channels on the TV, and then there was a secondary dial that had on fuzzy channels with static that were your local broadcasts, and those were the UHF channels. matter. Um, and yeah, so you grew up, I don't know if you remember, on Sunday nights in the spring, you'd get the Ten Commandments, and you'd get the Wizard of Oz that would come out. They'd then show later on... Um, Gone with the Wind. So those are your like hero movies. Like, you know, just like in the fall, you get all the Charlie Brown specials around Thanksgiving <laughs> and Christmas. Um, and then those expanded a little bit. Um, and you the know, sound of music. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I mean, um, there were movies back then that were, were you know, at least to me, that sort of probably shaped me if I look back, like movies, all, all the the Bob Hope films, the road movies, Casablanca, anything with, with, with Bogart, you know, shaped my understanding of of drama watching um, art, uh, um, the black and white detective hard-boiled, you know, pieces. Um, I think as I got older, the comedies I was was drawn to were what are now called classics, you know, Caddyshack, Animal House, um, um, Meatballs, which is a forgotten comedy with with, uh, uh, Bill Murray. was the one with Val Kilmer um, that I, I totally enjoyed? Um, house fills up with Pop at the end. I'll forget the name of it. Uh, the, the Real genius. You know, um, if you really go back and watch the highly crafted comedies, those stand up because it's not, about, uh, it, it's not about the styling of the camera. It's about the joke. And in a lot of those, the cameras get out of the way. One of the challenges with comedy is getting the technology of the film out of the way because it's about the, the joke. Um, and if you look at the really good comedies in general, they don't. I think it goes back if you look at, at the Marx Brothers, for example. They would take a film they were going to make and they'd take the material and go on the road. they do it in front of live audiences and figure out their timing. And they drew on their, their burlesque background, their live performance backgrounds, and bring that sensibility to know, okay, this is where the joke lays. Because remember, at that point, there wasn't there wasn't live television. So the idea of the I Love Lucy model which we all grew up watching I Love Lucy and, and all those syndicated shows was funny, funny, funny joke laugh track. But that came out of funny, funny joke audience laughing. If the audience didn't laugh, they'd reshoot it. Be a writer off the site. That really, that model has to change. So understanding a live audience and understanding how jokes lay is hugely important. I think that's why there's been such a heavy leaning on stand-up comedians going into sitcoms because they they just, they know how to sort of deadpan deliver joke 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 funny and you just instantly you're with them and i i think that's a that's one thing that you get in Mad Men world or with the march brothers is they know you're with them they're bringing you on their journey you know a great movie brings you on their journey if you go back and you watch dramatic films like the original blade runner you're with harrison ford on that journey you know you're with luke skywalker as he's going on, you want to be that kid you know you you left that movie back then that was probably the first really great space movie uh that had the visuals to match the story since forbidden planet you know and from forbidden planet you eventually ended up with with the original star trek series but that real gap of i mean that was 15 years or whatever it was so star wars comes out and, and and these movies are coming out at that time that were changing our our, our changing our lives, Indiana Jones coming out, uh, Jaws, which would scare the living daylights out of people. Um, I went, when I went to see that movie, I was a teenager. Uh, I was a very young teenager. Uh, but I was still a teenager, and I'd read the book. Um, I think I read it when I was 12. So I'm sitting in the theater with my mom. She didn't know what it was. And everybody around me began to realize I knew where all the, the horrors bits were coming from the book. And so I was watching the movie, and I would tell her, Oh, here's coming. And then they'd all react. And you see everybody around me, and I became like the narrator of when the next scare was. So when they did the scene in the boat where the head rolls out of the side of the boat, that was an addition. That wasn't, I think that was in the original book. At least I hadn't remembered it that way. So I didn't say anything. They all turned and got mad at me. It's like I've like been pranking them. I was like, ah. you know, They made something up. Um, you know, movies aren't exactly always literal, the books, it's very rare. Or even history for that matter. Um,
0: you were directing so, uh, already. You're already directing. Oh
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah <laughs> um, absolutely.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I lived, you know, I lived in Florida, so that um, uh, that movie scared everyone in Florida by the beach. I, I remember I was scared of uh, anything that, like, if a crab touched my toe, you're like, ah! Did everyone run out of the ocean. <laughs> do
1: you remember back then they had uh, at least I lived, was in Houston at that point, and so Galveston was our beach. 30 minutes here at the beach. And so Galveston, like the west side of Florida, it's got like beach, little water, then a little sandbar, then a little beach, and it's just very, very low uh, low angle pitch into the ocean. And in between there, what we all learned after that movie, and because they had a helicopter flying, look at the people, nobody's going in the water. And the helicopter's looking down at the water and you could see all the hammerheads swimming. Oh. And 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 you just said, no, I'm good, I'm not going to go in, you know, people still went to the beach, but, you know, where I had been, I knew where I had been the previous weekend, Yeah, I'm good, because, and they weren't small, they weren't like this big, they were like 7, 8, 10 footers, um, um, looking for lunch, and you know, your hand in the water looks like lunch, um, so anyway.
0: Yeah, so so you're in Texas, and um, then 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 you go to college. Uh, can you tell us a little bit how how you said you knew you wanted to go to an art college? Well,
1: right. So I was in a performing arts school, but I was as a, as a musician. I was a trumpet player. Um, And I thought I I thought I wanted to be wasn't I thought I wanted you when you're doing something at that moment That's what you want to do. You didn't think you want to do you. I'm gonna go do that I want to be a football player soccer player artist. I was gonna be a musician. I went to the University of North, Texas um, which is now uh, North Texas it was North, Texas State back then. they switched it around changed the name so they could charge more money Um, but back then it was uh, the maybe the biggest a music school in the in the world. Wow. Um, I remember walking in and auditioning as a trumpet player and I looked to the guy doing the the auditions and I think it was number seven. And I'd signed up early. And he said, Yeah I said, So how do you do? He goes, well I only have two hundred and thirty eight more people to see. And that was there were that meant there were just auditioning for the jazz bands, there was two hundred and forty trumpet players, not including the classical players and people that weren't auditioning.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: There was hundred and ten drummers, regular drummers in the drum, I mean it was just a huge school. So there was bands and music everywhere as a consequence because I was there studying music. What I learned was is they were always filming something there. Somebody was coming in and I sort of helped liaise on that. And then I had friends in the radio TV department and they were always doing projects. And I I just loved that world. I also knew that when you went on and and you put on a, a band on stage, nobody wanted to run it. So I ended up becoming a stage manager and that was my first real motion into performing and running sets and things like that, and being in charge, and so it was a natural transition. As I finished college, I ended up in Dallas, and I'd already been doing some acting at that point. And so I started doing some acting. I did some stunt work on a on a Hal film. Uh, actually, it was Joe Joe Margolis was directing, but Hal was doing second unit. And I had been studying martial arts, so I did some stunt work, and then I did some some standing in. I stood in for Alec Baldwin and Eric Bregozian in a movie called. Um, Talk radio directed by Oliver Stone. Uh, and that was a really hugely educational process because you, if you ever want to learn about how a film is made and you can become a stand in on a, on a good movie, you're literally there to be the, the flesh model, the, the flesh mannequin for the <laughs> scene. But you get to listen and hear how everything works. You're at the center of the vortex and you don't exist. So I got to see how Oliver Stone works, Joe Reed <sighs> Light, Joe oh. Reed, First ADs. My son, way deep in the background, screaming. <laughs> um,
0: we have lots of fun stuff like that. Uh, grandfather clocks and.
1: <laughs> um, and um, uh, Richardson actually tried almost caught me on fire. He he wanted to do a scene where I was about this close to a TV, and he wanted the reflection of the actor in the TV. Well, in order to get the exposure, because it was on film, it was in the eighties. Um he had to put a light, 4K light about this far away from me. And as I'm sitting there like, oh guys, this is really hot. My feel, skin feels really crispy. And I look over <laughs> and my and he pulls me out. My jacket is actually smoking. It, it was actually catching on fire.
0: Oh my gosh. You are like, so my skin coming. feels crispy. Oh, my yeah, jacket's on fire.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't think Alec's gonna want to do that. Um, but it was interesting because Alec had just done a couple of films, he just done Beetlejuice and was about to do Married to the Mob, or just was right around that time. And you just knew that he was a movie star. You know, you just knew at that level he was one of those guys. You know, he just had that presence, the quality about him. Very young at that point, anyway. Um, so and it was in that transition out of college into Dallas, as I had been, because I produced plays and TV and did commercials and just doing everything. You know, it was for me. I learned that in college, if you, at my school at that time, if you were a senior level. If you were senior in school, you could go down to the art radio, television, film, vault and check out any equipment you wanted to. All my friends that were film majors were still juniors because I was ahead in my schedule. Couldn't rent equipment. So I would go rent the equipment and said, guys, we're going to go shoot something. What do you want to do? You know, because they were the ones that did it. Like, How'd you get it? I go, don't worry about it. So I get news stories for the local TV station, stuff like that <coughs> ended up in Dallas um working as a cameraman at uh adam work's film actors lab Um, and adam work was an actor from l.a who sort of semi-retired back to dallas to teach actors about how to act on film the technique of whatever you do how to do it on film so like for example we're in this frame but if i wanted to stand up really quick and i stood up too fast there's no way a cameraman's going to catch you so you have to learn how to stand up slowly sit down slowly how to eat smoke walk do whatever it was that you needed to do on camera, memorization techniques, knowing where your better light is, how to dress. All of his, like, 30 or 40 years of uh, experience, he was bringing there. It wasn't about memorize a scene from this acting book, and now you can do something by you know, Richard Dreyfuss did a year ago in the theaters. But when you walked on a set, you knew how to read a call sheet. You know, your marks were. Oh,
0: wow. You had
1: respect for the process. So that's what the school started as. And at some point or another, I realized that... Um, there wasn't much of a film industry there. It had faded away. The TV show Dallas had been canceled. And there wasn't a lot of work. So oh, my roommate moved right. out. I moved out. And um, um, I came out October 27th, one in the morning, um, and arrived in Venice, California. I had a 69 Mustang, and everything I owned was in it. I parked it on Venice Boulevard. <laughs> and I went up to this place that he was sub renting, and I slept. And I got up the next morning, and everything was still there. And then I discovered that that neighborhood was victorious. I was very lucky because my car kind of looked like I was quasi homeless nobody messed with it because it was jammed full of things but you know um, now I would never park a car with anything in it in that
0: neighborhood oh yeah it it would be broken into in a heartbeat oh my in god in
1: fact my car got broken into about a month later i had a job in hollywood it was a month and a half later it was christmas i was going to a christmas you know how they do that thing where the uh, you have like a gag gift. So in the back seat of my car, I had a wrapped up gift of some of like men's boxers, but with money on it, and some other goofy things, like some gummy bear, whatever it was. And so I was going to take the party. When I got back to my car, someone had broken the window and taken it. What they'd forgotten was, is I door open, yeah. so they didn't even open the door. They, could, they so now not only did they seal the present, they cost me a new window. Oh, yeah. so it was just silliness. Uh-huh. Um. But anyway, so then anyway, I, I ended up out here and I, I started off selling um, um, radio, television and film products, old Grass Valley Switchers and Sony cameras, I realized I hated that. <laughs> and, um, and then I, you know, found my way in through um, into a group called the um, Los Angeles Theater Sports, um, which is run by Dan O'Connor, and they're still going strong, great talent there. Um, they're actually doing uh this weekend maybe they're doing an unscripted version of jane austen plays. they do just just, that was sort of my training in how to be on stage and listen and think and see how actors integrate with each other and what spontaneity does and just creating an environment of yes which is hugely important in, in in front of the camera or on the stage um i produced some theater for a little while and um ended up being a pa and then from a PA, I decided to become an assistant director. And then I just kept going. And all along the way, shooting short films and getting into film festivals and stuff like that. So that's my origin story.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And um, I'm gonna, um, we're going to um, end it up part one here. And we're going to come back because I want to really talk about your journey and all your wonderful projects that you are working on and have worked on because they're so fantastic. And okay. we have lots more. So everyone come back to part two with Greg jakowski and come on back for part two because um he's going to talk about some di- um directing moving shots and on oh ryan's mystery play date the walking dead oh oh my gosh we got tom clancy's ghost recon kirby buckets mighty med salem rogers partners ant farm the wizard returns alex versus alex medicine high zombie and cheerleaders Big time rush, so many things you've worked on. And um, also we want to talk about your karate, because you do karate in your black belt.
1: <laughs> yep, yep.
0: Okay, so all I want that. I just want us to have enough time so the audience can hear all about um, your projects you worked on. So coming back everyone, thanks for listening and coming back for part two with director Greg Sikowski.